Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. The Boston Celtics are the best team in basketball. The Tennessee Titans face their toughest test of the season. Plus, how bad was the Russell Wilson trade? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Let's start with the biggest story. It wasn't quite a 50 piece, but I think Jason Tatum will take it. He put 49 on the Miami Heat in a 134-121 win in Boston. The Celtics are the best team in basketball, 18-4 and and absolutely rolling. Joining me now from Boston, from the arena, John Corrales. Locked on Celtics and and John, we knew this team was going to be good coming into the season on paper. And with all of the things that they dealt with preseason and into the season, we thought, well, that might affect them a little bit. It hasn't. Why? Well, I think what they went through uh, actually kind of helped them focus because they, I, I think Joe Missoula has done a great job kind of circling the wagons. And when, all of the Emi Udoka stuff happened, they were able to just say, okay, you know what? We're going to keep it hoop. We're going to keep it basketball. We're going to keep it on the floor. So none of these distractions, whatever happened, happened. We're done with it. Now we're going to focus on what we need to focus on. And I think everyone just coming together, circling up and saying, we're just going to do what we do. And we're going to listen to Joe. We're going to make sure that Joe succeeds. I think everybody bought in from the beginning. And, And you look at the Celtics team last year, we talk about that mid to late January kind of turnaround. It was because of the buy-in. And when players are bought in, no matter who the coach is, no matter what the system is, you can execute that system and execute it well. It just so happens this is that, that Joe Mazzulla is a uh, great offensive coach, and they've got some great offensive players, and they're putting up 134, 140, five straight games here of 120-plus points. Yeah, that'll that'll win you a lot of ball games, and they are winning mm-hmm. a lot of ball games. I mentioned Jason Tatum. 49 in this one he's averaging over 30 points a game he seems to have taken a mini leap we we talk about this in the NBA in particular all the time the hardest thing to do is to go from a really really good player to a truly great player he seems to have made that jump at least for now what is different about him he's playing really efficient basketball and he has just basically scrapped a lot of the overtly ISO stuff. Obviously, he's going to play some ISO, uh, but he's moving the ball a lot. He's he's setting a lot of picks. He's doing the little things. He's getting off the ball, knowing that he's going to get the ball back. And when he does get the ball back, he gets it on the move. He's making cuts. The first bucket of the game was an Al Horford baseline drive and Jason Tatum doing what you're supposed to do on a baseline drive, cut right down the middle. He gets the pass, he gets the dunk, and that sets the tone for the offense. It sets the tone for the night. He's been attacking really, really well. Uh, He had another 12 free throw attempts in this game, and he's been getting a ton of free throw attempts organically, not hunting for it, not cheap. He's just attacking, finishing at the rim, getting the free throws, and, and playing very efficient basketball. The one thing that may be a little surprising about this season is the defense has not been in the same place as it was last year when they were, for for stretches, historically great on defense. Mm-hmm. What is what is missing right now? And, and the answer may be as simple as, well, they don't have time. Or they don't have maybe their best defensive player in the paint. Is it is it really that easy? 
I mean, part of it is that easy. I think when you look across the league, defense is down, offense is up. And so there's there they are falling into that trend. They also, I think their identity this year is offense first. They have just come out and established themselves as an offensive juggernaut. So there's just not going to be that same focus or attention to detail that you normally get defensively. I think they've just said, we are capable of putting up monster scoring nights, and all we have to be defensively is is good, not that level of great. So I think Robert Williams is going to come back and make a difference, not just because he blocks shots, but because he's such a deterrent in the paint yeah. that even when guys get blown by, there are going to be a lot of guards and wings that get past the initial line of defense for Boston and see Robert Williams there and go, you know what? I'm just going to go this way and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure something else out. And so he's like the big, you know, the big brother in the back. And everybody's like, nah, cool. <laughs> We're just going to go shoot a jumper. So I think that's going to make things a, a lot better for the Celtics. Uh, but, and I think that having him back there gives them a lot more confidence as well. They, they can maybe make some more gambles for steals. And, and I think they can maybe start forcing some more turnovers that way, but Robert Williams. Yeah. He's, he's a big deal for the, for this team. And they still lead the league in point differential. So it's not like their defense has been a problem because their offense has been so good. Plus in the postseason, they can probably crank it up a notch or two when they need to. We saw them do that last season. John, I appreciate the time. You got it, man. Stay up to date all year on the Boston Celtics by subscribing to the Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Celtics podcasts on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports Today your first listen. Coming up, the Tennessee Titans head to Philly to take on the Eagles this weekend. Can we pause the pod for a second? Okay, we're paused. Great, because you got to try this. I'm talking about Built Bar's new reimagined flavors. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar. Oof. Coconut brownie topper. Let's go. They are revolutionizing nutrition as we know it with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and incredibly low sugar and calories, 130 calories. I am not kidding. These things taste delicious and deliver on all the promises of the nutrition that they want to give you. Get 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray and former Arizona Cardinals cornerback Patrick Peterson have gotten into a social media spat after Peterson said, quote, Kyler Murray doesn't care about anybody but Kyler Murray, end quote. Murray responded by saying that Peterson has Murray's number and should have called him instead of dragging his name for podcast views. Yes, because the best way show everyone that you are not self-centered is to respond on social media. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows that's the best way. Las Vegas Aces point guard Kelsey Plum gave some clarification on what NBA players are hoping for their salaries. This is important just narratively because the counter argument always in the fair wage argument in sports is about revenue, right? The women don't make as much as the men, so they are not entitled to as much money. That is the counter argument that we always hear. But saying, actually, all we want is to be paid the same share of the revenue that is created as the men blunts that argument. Because then it is, okay, we just want the same 
size slice of pie. Their pie might be bigger. We want the same size slice, and then we can work on broadening the pie. That's a really good place to start, even if, of course, those counter arguments are silly and miss the point in a lot of ways. This is a great way to reframe it and I think potentially win some fans to your side. The college football playoff now has the groundwork set to expand to 12 teams. People will still be mad, I promise. On Wednesday afternoon, the Rose Bowl was the last roadblock, but has now agreed to terms to allow the college football playoff to expand to 12 in the 2024-2025 seasons. Baltimore Ravens starting quarterback Lamar Jackson left practice early on Wednesday after injuring his quad. Jackson's status for this week is still unknown, but one could imagine that even if he does play, he'll be somewhat limited, especially for a quarterback who relies so much on his explosive running ability. The Milwaukee Bucks extended their winning streak with a 109-103 win over the New York Knicks on Wednesday. Giannis and Tedekumbo put up 37-13-7 before fouling out. Sometimes the enjoyable wins are the ones that are pretty ugly for most of the night. That's what the Bucks did tonight at Madison Square Garden. My name's Kane Pittman. I'm the host of the Locked On Bucks podcast. 37 points for Giannis, but not in the usual way. He did not score a basket until halfway through the second quarter, but then he found a way in transition to get points on a night where the Bucks were not scoring well. They did not shoot the ball well at the rim. They did not shoot the ball well from the three-point line. They were smoked on the offensive glass, but when they needed a bucket late in the game with Giannis fouled out, Grayson Allen stepped up, knocked down the game-winning three, and the Bucs improved to 15-5 and five on the season. I keep on saying it. It would be risky business to trade away the best shooter on the team on a team that has many nights where they struggle from the outside. Grayson Allen did it tonight in a big, big way, and it's always fun to win at the Garden. Maybe Chris Milton back next game as well. That's a good thing for the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis now won 30 10 and 5 game away from tying Larry Bird on the all time list. Pretty incredible stuff. Here is another story you need to know. The Philadelphia Eagles come off an absolute pantsing of the Green Bay Packers defense, one of the most dominant rushing performances of the Super Bowl era. Meanwhile, the Tennessee Titans, who pants the Packers the week before, but then lost to the Cincinnati Bengals at home. This is a clash of two teams who have aspirations of winning their conference coming up on Sunday. Titans, Eagles, it is run game versus run game. It is defense versus defense. This is some 1984 kind of stuff here. Tyler <laughs> Rowland from Locked on Titans joins me now. The kind of game Ty loves. And <laughs> Tyler, um, this seems like it's a chance for the Titans to say, hey, look at us. We, we are contenders in this AFC. What do they have to do? To do that, yeah, I think one of the realities that we have to accept here is Cincinnati's really good, and maybe they struggled early on to find their footing. But if you've been paying attention to Cincinnati for the last six to eight weeks, they're one of the top four teams in the NFL. I think it's hard to argue against it. But regardless of that, if the Titans want to beat the Eagles, who are also, I think, one of the best teams in the NFL. They're going to have to find a way to force some turnovers. The Eagles have won the turnover battle convincingly throughout the season. And when they're at home, they're even more deadly from that angle. So the Titans have to find a way to really get pressure on Jalen Hurts because since Danico Autry's injury, the Titans haven't been able to get 
pressure on teams the same way that they did early in the season since Danico Autry's injury. So somehow, some way, the Titans are going to have to find a way to get pressure on Philadelphia to force a couple turnovers because if it's just back and forth, offense to defense, offense to defense, I don't see how the Titans' offense can keep up in that kind of game. So they need some turnovers and some big plays to end some Philly drives and give the Titans offense a boost to maybe score some points. Anything you think Tennessee can take from the Packers getting to 30, even with, you know, almost a quarter of Jordan Love playing in this game after, you know, the the offense was not explosive against um, the, the Bengals, but the Bengals defense also very good. So what, what lessons do you think they might be able to learn? What ways do you think they might be able to attack if they need to get to, say, 27 or more to, to win this game? Well, I, I think when you look at what the Packers were able to do, they were able to have a balanced attack. They did run for 106 yards in the game. So I, I think if you were the Titans, you got to find a way to get the run game going. And it's going to be tough because like what the Eagles did against the Packers, you're going to see some 6-1 fronts. And Cincinnati played the 6-1 front. Green Bay played the 6-1 front. And, and it made it tough for the Titans to run the football. And I don't think that they have the type of passing offense that can carry them enough. It did it against Green Bay. Yeah, but unless they're playing the, the Packers. Right. The Eagles are a better team than Green Bay. The, the Bengals are a better team than Green Bay. So the Titans' passing offense isn't good enough to win against good teams if the running game isn't going like we saw in Green Bay. So the Titans are going to have to, like I said, turnovers are going to have to help the Titans' offense get in good positions to score some points, and then I think they're going to need some big plays. And I think it's funny because this game, big storyline, A.J. Brown. And of course, it's really funny that the game is probably going to come down to can Traylon Burks, A.J. Brown's quote-unquote replacement, make some big plays for the Titans down the field like he's done in a few games in a row now to kind of flip the field for the Titans and give them those scoring opportunities when they don't have turnovers. They need some turnovers to do that, and they need some Traylon Burks big plays to do that. And on the flip side, what's been killing the Titans, even when they play good defense, is one-on-one matchups on the outside where wide receivers just win against their cornerbacks. We saw it with Christian Watson. We saw it with T. Higgins. A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown. The Titans' old, old familiar face. Now, can the Titans, even when they win the down schematically, win one-on-one battles with A.J. Brown on the outside? That'll be the test on defense. And then on offense, it's Traylon Burks. So it's just funny how the big storyline in the offseason, the big storyline early in the season, is the big storyline on Sunday for the Titans and the Eagles. Stay up to date all year on the Tennessee Titans by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Titans podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, just how bad was the Russell Wilson trade? Russell Wilson has been one of the most widely criticized players in the NFL this season for a combination of both his on and off field antics. But my quick question to you is, is Russell Wilson falling off the steepest cliff we've ever seen from a player that was probably on a Hall of Fame track? This is just it's strange. They they are really bad right now in Denver on offense and they have too much talent to be this bad. First of all, I give Seattle credit for getting what they did out of him because there's been glimpses, more than glimpses, stretches over his last two years in Seattle where he was no longer a top five, top 10 type quarterback. The thing about this is 
the trade in a vacuum is defensible. Of course, if you think you're a quarterback away, you go get the best available quarterback you think is on the market. And Aaron Rodgers turns out not on the market. So they went and got Russell Wilson, who is a Super Bowl champion and who has been a high-level quarterback for a long time. The second half of last season didn't look like the same guy, but a lot of that could have been chalked up to an injury, a serious injury. So the trade is defensible. What I don't understand is the trade was made in March. In September, you extend him. So the extension was not a prerequisite for the trade. The trade has already happened. Now, maybe it was and they just were hammering out the details and it took months. And after the trade, they're like, well, we have time. And as long as this happens before the season, okay. Why did you have to sign a five-year, $245 million contract without ever seeing him play for your team? You didn't have to do that. He was under contract and you traded for him. You could have at least let him play a game. One game, maybe two. Can I get three? Apparently not. And so the risk of getting Russell Wilson, yes, that's a worthy risk because the upside is so great. There is not the same sort of defense that can be made for the contract. And the contract, which the Broncos are stuck with, I mean stuck, stuck with for three, four more years, is the part of this that is indefensible. They did not need to do it And they did it. They did not need to make it as ironclad as it was for as long as it was. And they did it. That part is the part that is going to look bad for a long, long, long time. Because guess what? The Broncos are going to have to have Russell Wilson for a long, long, long time. And right now, he stinks. And finally, Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy now have both said, that they want CEO Greg Norman out of Live Golf. Greg Norman is a legend. And yes, he defected to the Saudi-backed Live Golf Tour. But you would think he would have some sort of just personal respect from these other players. The fact that he doesn't, I think, says a lot about what the Live Golf Tour represents to the PGA Tour, what it represents to these players, what it represents to Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, and the American players, the international players, who believe that what Liv is doing is gross. That what Liv is doing is actually hurting the product overall, not helping it, and that the way that they have gone about this is underhanded, is nefarious, it is, name any other $5 word that says icky, and pin it on Greg Norman. Clearly, they think he is the guy masterminding all of this. And so, it may be the case that in order to reconcile all of this, Greg Norman has to be the fall guy. It seems impossible that in a golf, in, in golf, a sport that is so built around the gentleman's rules and the legends have such high status, that we could be at this point, but I think it tells you something 
about this act and the betrayal that these players feel about this act that Greg Norman is under this kind of fire. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on tomorrow's show, the Kansas City Chiefs and Cincinnati Bengals face off this weekend in an AFC playoff rematch. In fact, a championship game rematch. It's going to be another potential playoff rematch in this one. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on sports today.